Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Unbelievable. Those are both amazing stories. Thank you guys so much for sharing, uh, particularly, you know, the media insight, the fan insight as well. It's very valuable and unique. So I'd like to ask you guys something, I guess, each a little bit more personal about something you specifically have both said or written and follow-up opinions. So Nick, specifically, I know that you were once on air saying that Kawhi Leonard was the player that reminded you the most of Kobe Bryant. I also wrote a piece about that during those playoffs. And I wanted to know um, why you say Kawhi, if you still say Kawhi. And then, Michael, I, I would love to hear from your perspective as someone who has followed the NBA and covered it for a long time, who you would most compare that is playing today to Kobe Bryant and his play style, tenacity, all that good stuff. Yeah, I look at Kawhi Leonard because I just look at what he's been able to accomplish and overcome certain adversities. We all know what happened in San Antonio when he lost the trust of the medical staff there and decided to go on his own and get his own, uh, you know, evaluation, as it were. Uh, got his way out of town, went to the Toronto Raptors and got the Toronto Raptors their first ever NBA championship, even though he wasn't the most vocal, but with his, he led by example. He led what he did on the court as Michael. Uh, said earlier, as far as Kobe Bryant in that fourth quarter, just getting everybody involved. He was leading by example, leading, you know, getting other guys involved. And that's what I feel like Kawhi Leonard did. So that's what kind of reminded me, uh, speaking of Kawhi Leonard, but the guy to me really reminds me of a young Kobe, um, you know, on the come up is John Morant. That is a guy who is fearless. Remember, this is the guy that almost took out Anthony Davis and he didn't care. You know, fortunately, it didn't, the dunk didn't happen because we talk about Anthony Edwards' dunk and we talk about, uh, you know, Paul George's dunk. But, my God, if John Moran would have been able to get that dunk off on Anthony Davis, we would still be talking about that to this day. Um, but that's how fearless that young man is. And that reminds me most of Kobe, how Kobe was fearless. He didn't give a damn what you had to say about him. He, I mean, he walked up to Michael Jordan and said, I'm better than you. <laughs> this is Michael Jordan we're talking about, the GOAT. Yeah. Okay. So to me, when I look at guys that kind of remind me of Kobe, yes, I put Kawhi Leonard in that, but I also look at more so I look at John Morant and what he's been able to do uh, with less and been able to really uh, uh, exemplify as far as how he approaches the game, his preparation, you know, what he, we, I remember talking to him one time in a locker room, um, I think a year, yeah, it was right after his rookie year. And we asked him, uh, you know, obviously he was working out with Kobe Bryant at the time or had worked out with him. And, you know, what did he learn from Kobe? You know, what did he take from it? Not just verbally, but just what did he observe? And he was just naming so many different things as far as how Kobe, the, the, the way he walked and the way he would, you know, move in a certain spot and really knowing his spots. And, you know, I, I want to make sure I know where my spots are and know how I should, I should perform night in and night out. So those to me, to answer your question, those to me, man, are the two guys that really – remind me closest to Kobe Bryant is, you know, obviously I said Kawhi, but more so uh, John Moran of the Memphis Grizzlies. Nice. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the Kawhi Leonard comparisons as much as other people do. I know that is a comp that people like to compare him to. They play two different positions for the most part. Kawhi's personality, nothing like Kobe's in my opinion, but as far as just the seriousness and the will to win, 
and how they can impact the game on both ends of the floor. I guess that is a comp. Um, I think Jason Tatum, if you look at the mm. early parts of Kobe's career and how he wasn't, you know, the main guy yet and the focal point of the offense and just kind of how he fit in the shots he's taking, the shot selection is very similar to Jason Tatum's early career. So that could be one, you know, at the end of Jason Tatum's career, 15, 16, 17 years down the road, we might say might've been close to Kobe. It's really hard because we don't really see in this era now where some of the best players are now unicorn big men that can play offense, play defense, shoot the three dribble pass assist. You know, these are the guys that, you know, we're talking about as far as, MVP candidates. We're talking about like Giannis, the Joker, uh, Joel Embiid, uh, Luka Doncic, you know, LeBron James, even these are guys right now that are MVP candidates of the league. So there's not like a distinct two guard that Kobe was that is just amazing as, as Kobe was in the facets of the game. But as far as a guard, I'm going to say my biggest comp is Damian Lillard. As far as the ability to hit the big shots. He's probably just as clutch as Kobe was. That's what we really remember about Kobe was Kobe was the clutch player, the guy that wanted the ball in his hands for the last second shot. And how many of those shots did he actually hit? And how many of those were fadeaway threes or from three feet beyond the arc, the way Damon Lillard can do. And then when Dame time kicks up, you know, Damian Lillard gets that Mamba mentality, that aggressiveness and intensity uh, where he wants to destroy you and we got the game time with the watch, you know, that's, that's Kobe and how Kobe's intensity was when the game was on the line and he knew it was time for him to take over uh, and different position, obviously a little shorter, but also, you know, Kobe had a rap career. Nick likes to remind yes. me of that all the time. And he wasn't that bad. He was a good rhymer, good writer, good lyricist. Dame is <laughs> probably Dame to me is one of the best NBA rappers in the game as far as NBA players. So yes. there's a comparison there with those two. So if I had to say, I would say right now, Dame Willard's the closest to Kobe that I've seen, obviously though, different positions. Oh man, that, that is awesome. I love, I love all those comps right there, particularly I think Kawhi Leonard, I think the mid range game and the footwork is another aspect that is similar, but of course they played different positions and the defensive tenacity Tatum. I mean, Kobe trained him and that is an incredible comp. Uh, Damian Lillard even released the song Kobe for 2k with Snoop Dogg on it. Nice West coast collab. And that actually brings me to one of my final questions here now on the music end, because I haven't gotten any musicians on yet, but Michael, you wrote a very special article about my way and how it relates to Kobe Bryant's final game. I'd love you to elaborate a little bit on that, as well as any Frank Sinatra and Kobe comparisons. Uh, my, my grandfather was a huge Sinatra fan and I grew up listening to my way. So that was a special song. I always saw it compared to Kobe's final game. And I highly recommend everyone check out Michael's article. It was awesome. And then Nick, I'd love to hear from you as someone who's actually covered music for a long time. Um, who, which musician you would most compare to Kobe Bryant? I would say was first of all, Kobe had some cool verses, but rapping was not him. One thing That's though, three times dope, three X dope. Kobe is uncredited. Shaq is on the track and he is doing some of the craziest three syllable lines. Kobe is not. So if you haven't heard that, that is the one track where Kobe is, is rapping. Well, one of my favorite Kobe, Kobe verses is on the Brian McKnight remix. Yes. 
And it was funny. I was an extra. I was one of the extras in that video. I was hey! in, I was sitting in the uh in the bleachers, but you can't really see me. <laughs> Not to get on. I wasn't fortunate to get on camera like that. But it was a fun day. But anyway, um, wow. I would I would say Kobe Bryant is probably Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is arguably the greatest hip hop producer, probably one of the best producers in music. Period. Um, and I have to say the work ethic. The level of, uh, t- you know, the 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 the, di- the attention to detail, I should say. Excuse me. The level of work ethic, attention to detail, the way they want to perfect it and and really kind of bend the universe into their way of doing things. That's what I would. If I'm going to compare somebody to Kobe, it would be Dr. Dre. Um, just hearing the stories of how Dre would make somebody say it one line like 50 times <laughs> to make sure it's right. Uh, reminded me of how Kobe would, would shoot that basketball or make sure that the Deer basketball documentary is shot a particular way because he yeah. wants a particular sound. So he went to go hire the Philharmonic. He went to go hire a score. Uh, he went to go hire, you know, the, the best, you know, illustrator and animator in the business. These are just things that, you know, he want, he has a certain level in a, in a first class level of expectation of how he wants things done. If they can't get done that way, then he's not going to do them. And that's that's how I would I would say between you know the same way we hear stories about Dr. Dre. Hey, if it's, if the if the record's not right, it's not coming out. It's not seeing the light of day. And even there are some records that are right and still haven't seen the light of day. It's just if if Dre doesn't feel that they're they're right by his standards, it's not happening. And the same thing with Kobe Bryant. If it's not right by his standards, it's not happening. It's just that simple. So. To me, uh, you know, I think those two, to me, I know, you know, Snoop was a big fan of his. I mean, we saw Snoop give away the lowrider to uh, yes. to Kobe Bryant for his birthday, I believe, one year, which it was a, it was a sweet lowrider. Like, my God, that thing is crazy. But, you know, you, you, you hear, you know, Ice Cube, obviously, being the, the, the incredible lyricist that he was, or is, rather. You know, he was a big-time Laker fan, Kobe fan, but... Again, to compare musicians and to compare uh, perfection or close to perfection, it's the doc. Yeah, so as as Skylar mentioned, uh, I did write a piece right after, that night after Kobe Bryant's 60-point game in his final game against the Utah Jazz that we already discussed on April 13, 2016. And it was a, an ode to Frank Sinatra's song, My Way. And folks, go check it out. Just kind of type in Kobe Bryant, My Way, my last name, Michael Duarte, or NBC Los Angeles. And, and the story will come up. Skylar has it. And Skylar kind of knows the story. I was fortunate enough at the time that I was not the main Lakers beat writer for NBC that I am now. So as far as just a game story for what happened that night, I did not, I was not assigned the task to write that story because had that been the story, I would write, uh, you know, how he started 0 for 4, how the Lakers were down 10, how he ended up scoring 15 points in the first first quarter, how, you know, Shaq dared him to score 50, how he started to get closer. And then the, the Lakers were in contention to win the game and he pulls it out and he goes ahead with, you know, less than 30 seconds left. And then of course, his final two shots, just like when he tore his Achilles and walked out there and shot two free throws before he limped back to the locker room. Those are the final two points Kobe ever scores in an NBA game. Instead of having to write that story, 
I was assigned with do something more like a column basis, basically whatever you want, a separate feature. And so after we went to the press conference, which was so large as far as the media contingency that was there, was set up in the warehouse storage room where they store like all these items during the season at Staples Center. They took all the items out and put them in the hallway and turned that into a huge media press conference room for Kobe that night. So after all of that was done and the adrenaline kind of was subsiding and I was driving home, I had my Spotify on and I just had one of my random playlists and it was on shuffle and Frank Sinatra's My Way came on. And I'm listening to the song, as you mentioned, it's probably my favorite Frank Sinatra song of all time. Although I'm gonna say Three Coins in the Fountain is another good one. The, the New York, New York, which plays every time the Yankees win, which I don't like that part about it, but that is a good song that I, I like. So, but My Way is probably my favorite song. And so as I'm listening to the, the verse that says, regrets, I've had a few, you know, but then again, too few to mention, that was when it first, like a light bulb went off and like the gears started turning in my head that this is Kobe, right? He's had plenty of regrets over the course of his 20 year career, but yet he had this roller coaster run where he achieved the highest of highs and experienced the lowest of lows. You know, looking at the air balls in his rookie season in the playoffs mm -hmm. against the Utah Jazz is one reminder. Uh, and, and so he's experienced this. And then I'm, and then the whole point of my way was that, you know, regardless of all of this, I stuck to me and my guns and I did it my way. And that was th that final season for Kobe. He told us all in this beautifully written poem that ends up turning into a Oscar award-winning short movie that this was his final year, that he was going to prepare and train and take games off and do whatever he needed to do to make sure he was playing on April 13th, 2016 in the final game of that NBA season, meaning he did not want to go out because of an injury. He wanted to go out on his own terms, which often yeah. I've heard from athletes is what they would like. It's the dream. And sometimes it doesn't turn out that way. And it's hard when an injury ends your career rather than being able to go out the way you want it. So as I listened to it in the car, I got home and started listening to it again and again and again. And that's when I realized this is what I want to do. I want to write Kobe's final game uh, as a journalist, as a fan, and add an ode to Frank Sinatra that Kobe did it his way. And what I like about the article, even now, if you go back and read it five years later, over five years later, is that it still reads like an article almost, even though I am mm -hmm. you know, going off of the lyrics of the song and you can pick up on it here and there, it still reads like a story um, and like an article, it doesn't really stand out. Like if you had met someone who had never known of Frank Sinatra and didn't know that song and they read the article, it would just think it's an article. They wouldn't necessarily know it was based off of the lyrics. Wow. Wow. And, and everyone, please check out the article. It is absolutely incredible. And, and like you said, Michael, it really is a great story. The way the lyrics are intertwined, interwoven, it, it brings out both the spirit of Kobe and Frank. And I think, you know, what I really got out of listening to both of you answer and I've always known is, is the connection. You know, that's part of with this show. Everyone has their mob moment. 
musicians, different people. And that's why you can compare the attention to detail to Dr. Dre and the going out on your own terms to Frank Sinatra. And uh, it, it's just been so fun to listen to you guys. So I'm going to, I'm going to close off with this question here before uh, we get on out of here and, and let Nick continue celebrating his birthday and uh, Michael with the Dodgers and all the amazing thing he's doing. So guys, how do you guys sum up what you've personally learned from Kobe Bryant or applied within your own life from Kobe specifically, you know, Michael, if it is about sports journalism, um, what specifically about Kobe inspired you to get into it or, or just the most important lesson from the black Mamba himself? Well, I will say that there's a few things that I've learned. One, uh, dedication to your craft and desiring to be the best at, uh, your best to be the best you that you can be uh, against all odds, no matter what people may or may say about you. Your determination is getting to that finish line, whatever that finish line may be. Um, the one thing I learned about the Mamba mentality is to be the very best, whether you're a custodian, whether you're a CEO of a company, whether you're an athlete or a journalist or whatever it may be, be the very best that you know how to be. The other thing I'll take away uh, is just fatherhood. You know, I, I grew up with my father, much like Michael was growing up with his father. So we've had some examples in our lives, but it's always great when you see somebody that you don't personally know and you see great examples of what uh, he did with his family, with his daughters and with his wife and, you know, things of that nature. But he was always, um, you know, seemed to be a great father and really uh, held his his kids in very high esteem. I mean, even coaching, uh, you know, Gianna uh, and her team, because I believe, you know, Kobe wasn't really interested in basketball like that anymore. And then Gianna showed interest and he started really getting back into it. And that's why you saw him come to like the WNBA games and coming to NBA games with her and showing her different things and coaching her team and things of that nature. So he really took a serious vested interest in all of his children. Um, and that's something that, I was glad to see because in our society, a lot of times black fathers aren't highlighted and esteemed in a way that they should be and presented in a way they should be. And I was glad to see somebody like Kobe Bryant uh, and many others that have done it in, in, in the limelight. You know, we see LeBron James with his kid now, uh, Anthony Davis with his daughter and, you know, countless others that have really impactful in their kids' lives. But seeing Kobe Bryant being impactful and being a shining example of what you know, black excellence really truly is on all facets, really inspired me to continue to keep going and to really be the best that I could possibly be and be able to not only do that, but open up doors to try to help others, you know, much like Kobe did with a lot of the players, you know, tutoring the players, you know, teaching them certain things. Uh, we mentioned Jason Tatum on here. We mentioned John Moran on here. You know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have been recipients of that tutelage. Um, you know, Giannis, I believe, was a recipient at one point of his tutelage. So there are a lot, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. So he opened up his door uh, to, to guys to, to, to give them, you know, try to help them better their game and give them an advantage. Kyrie Irving is another one. So yeah. uh, I, I, that, those are the examples that will always stand out to me uh, when it comes to, the, to, to Kobe Bryant. So thank you for having me on, Skylar. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Happy you spent the birthday with me. Yeah. Happy birthday, Nick, again. Uh, so for me, cause Nick kind of touched upon it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with him and, and share that too, but I'll, I'll try to change 
course and go with a different uh, mentality that, that Kobe has inspired and instilled. So for me, uh, unlike you, Skylar, it wasn't Kobe's death that that was the catalyst that changed the course of my life and career. It was earlier, but it was ironically a death. And it was around grief. You know, I had known for years that I was unhappy in the entertainment industry, doing the job that I was doing. It was not what fulfilled me. It was not what I was passionate about. It was not what I loved. It caused unintended stress more than it provided me happiness. But it was like, once you're in something, you're kind of stuck. And then you kind of get in a headspace where you say, oh, well, how many people are happy with their jobs? And you know, you know what I mean? And you start to get in that field where you're like, where you just kind of accept your reality as it is, and you don't try to do anything to change it. Uh, you settle for uh, mediocrity almost. And that just didn't feel right to me. And I knew I wanted to to change careers. I knew I wanted to do something else and I dabbled in it, but I, there, I, I didn't have the motivation to just say, F it, let's jump off the cliff and hope we land on our feet. You know what I mean? And then I had three deaths very close to me in my life in a span of three days in early 2014 that left me absolutely disabled with grief. And it turned out from the ashes of that and the dark place I was in there that led me to the light that guided me to my new career in sports journalism that allowed me to just quit everything I was doing before cold turkey because it just didn't feel like those things mattered to me anymore when life can be taken away so short um, and so quickly and suddenly for, from people who should have still been alive like Kobe for decades and generations. And so that was the catalyst, the kick in the pants that I needed. And then almost like a guardian angel, the people that I lost um, helped guide me to provide me with opportunities in sports journalism that take years and decades for people to get after college. And so I was fortunate enough to have those doors open for me. And I don't think it was a coincidence on the timing. And so with the opportunity, with the ability to, to take that leap of faith, I just did it. And that's how I got today to, to where I am today. And so when I ultimately ended up thanking Kobe, you know, in 2016, it wasn't because of that catalyst. It was because growing up as a kid and, and Nick knows this first, I wanted to be Michael Jordan. I dressed like him. I looked like him. I wore all his clothes. I had the cologne. And then when Jordan retired and I'm now playing basketball, you know, in my early uh, June, you know, my like, in junior high and high school years, now I want to be Kobe. Now I got the Mamba mentality. And as Nick said, it's that mental approach where you want to be better every day and the be better the next day than you were the day before. And you want to attack everything with passion and purpose. You want to have no fear, no doubt, no quit. Um, and if you have that approach in life and you attack everything with that mentality, that is the Mamba mentality as Nick was referring to. So I was more thanking him for being the person that I looked up to as a kid, making me love sports, making me love the Lakers. So that wow. once I did switch into sports journalism, it was like interviewing Kobe Bryant is where I want to be. That's where I want to get to. And I got there. And so that's, that was what that conversation and that thank you was. But what I'm going to point out as Nick was talking about the mom of mentality is during that speech that he gave, I think it was after his final game, yeah. And I'm there and he says, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote. 
basically, and, I, and I'm sure he's not the first person to say this, but it was the one that resonated with me. And that was the dream is not the end goal. It's not the accomplishment. It's not winning the NBA finals or winning MVP or being named finals MVP. The dream was the destination. It was the journey along the way. And he said, if you guys can understand that, that when you do have a dream and you put the work in and you put it in every single day to get there. And then once you've achieved the dream and your dream comes true, this greater sense of purpose will happen. And that was then you realize that the dream was the journey the whole time. The dream was the course you took to get there. And that's really resonated with me. And even in his death will resonate with me uh, for the rest of my life. And that is that it's about the process. It's about getting to where you want to be and each day in between, not just the end game. Absolutely amazing. Thank you guys so much for, for sharing that insight truly. And particularly, you know, Nick with everything you're saying and how Kobe Bryant, we talked about this on your show, how he brings all the different communities together and creates that level of understanding. If you listen to Kobe Bryant and you listen to him talk about things, and if you listen to many other people, you, you understand, you know, and you understand things outside of yourself and, and Michael, thank you for, for sharing such a deeply personal story and and how that affected you just to clarify a little bit here i was interviewed on their podcast i'll have to do an episode sometime but i left being a financial advisor uh, after kobe bryant died to to do what i love because i was writing basketball on the side and uh, michael and nick had me on believe in lakers their podcast to discuss this. So please check out the episode. Please check out the podcast. It's a great show. Uh, lots of Kobe stories on there. And of course, the current Lakers. Uh, I've, I've never even mentioned on this podcast that I wrote an article predicting that they would win the championship 14 months before they did. So if you want to keep up with the current Lakers legacy and hear more great Kobe stories, please check out Believe in Lakers. I want to give just a massive shout out to, to Michael and Nick for interviewing me, for having me on here, uh, for being willing to share career wisdom here, Matt. If there's anything I learned from Kobe, you got to give people their flowers while you can. And so I really want to say how much I appreciate meeting you guys and knowing you guys and, and the tips and tricks and career you've given me so far. And uh, I, I know in my career and all of our careers, you know, we're very thankful for the Black Mamba and the inspiration that he's had on us. So before we get up on out of here, guys, please give everyone your plug, share where they can find you and uh, what's going on with you guys. Yeah, so you can find me on all social media at Michael J. Duarte, my articles uh, and videos and interviews and everything online at NBCLosAngeles.com in the sports section. And I just want to say as co-host of the Believe in Lakers, doing this crossover with you on the Believe Sports Podcast Network with my co-host and birthday boy, Nick Hamilton, that we are real people. You can see us here in the video talking live. <laughs> we are not catfish. We are not Vivians. But if you turn in to tune into the next episode of Believe in Lakers, we will break down that whole Vivian catfish escapade story for you with our guest from the athletic Bill Orem. So tune hey. into that coming up this weekend. Yeah, thanks again, Skylar, for coming on, man. Yes, we are actual real people. We can actually see each other. We've been to each other's homes, so we are real. Uh, there's no voice activated or voiceovers to be done here. That is for certain. Uh, I like to say, make sure you follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also follow me on Twitter 
at Nick Hamilton 213. Also subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can find the latest and greatest in the world of sports and pop culture at youtube.com slash NH Experience TV. Coming soon, nightcastmedia.com. All right, that's where you'll find all my uh, articles, all the stories, all the videos, podcasts, everything you need to know is going to be right there. So again, Skylar, thank you so much for doing it and agreeing to do this crossover. I think it was tremendous. Uh, make sure everybody downloads and subscribes to Believe in Lakers podcast as well, because as Michael said, yes, we will be uh, having our I team uh, on this whole Vivian situation leading off uh, with our great guest, Bill Orm. So thank you so much, Scott. We appreciate it, man, and look forward to talking to you again soon, man. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Stay tuned for upcoming collaborations, uh, announcements. This will not be the last you hear of all of us. And again, Nick and Michael, just really appreciate you guys. Huge happy birthday. Shout out to Nick. Mamba out. Mamba forever. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Mamba Moments with Nick Hamilton and Michael Duarte. Please download, rate, and subscribe as all the proceeds that I personally make from each download will go towards the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation. Next up, we have Joey Ramirez, Lakers Digital Content Manager, who has some of the best Kobe and Lakers stories that I've ever heard in my life. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that episode. Mamba out, Mamba forever. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.